Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We now have a Patreon for fans of our show to help keep this going. Subscribers will become a part of the show in various ways, from providing questions to our guests, to getting a shout out on the show, to actually being on the show to chat with us. We'll even send you a mug. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking lion. We recorded this episode with our longtime friend, Dylan Dunlap. We first met Dylan while we were all students at Berklee College of Music and remained friends through our move to Los Angeles. Some context for this interview. Dylan had just passed a million monthly listeners on Spotify following his 2019 single, If That's All Right. He had also just released his new heartwarming song dedicated to his girlfriend called Who Would Have Thought. An extremely driven artist with a powerful heart, Dylan Dunlap is changing the game and using his voice to promote mental health awareness as he continues to put out incredible music. So, without further ado, I'm Dylan Dunlap and this is Talking Lion. Well, hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> good. It's it's good to have you on the show, even remotely. It's uh, it's it's kind of a reunion, I think, for you and Noah. Like, yeah, in it's the been whole. a while since we've seen each other. Probably since Boston, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe we've seen each other in LA. But I think that's six years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Wow. Some, somewhere in the in the ballpark. You and I have, I feel like, have intersected on like key moments in our like lives. Like, I feel like you know, bumping into you uh, when we were doing City Walk. And also, like, we got coffee, like, a, a couple months ago, like, right as things were sort of shifting in our lives. So I feel like you and I have have met, at, like, at various, like, intersectional points. Yeah, I really had a good time having coffee with you. I think that was in Silver Lake, right, by your place? Yep, yep. It was interesting, because I feel like you and I were, like, kind of experiencing, like, a kind of low that we knew wasn't going to last. Like, I feel like we were both really optimistic, but also just not having a great week, you know, <laughs> or great, like couple, t- couple weeks <laughs> tends to be that way. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, it's, I had a great time talking with you. I think it was very inspiring. Likewise. I I- spent like what, two hours there, something like that. I, I, I honestly, yeah. Like I feel like the afternoon just like, just like went. it was, it was one of those really nice conversations. Like, I, I feel like every time you and I've had a chance to sit down and, and talk, it's been nice. It, it, it occurs to me that this is not our first interview. Um, <laughs> you, you Berkeley, yeah, you were you were my first because I had a, a radio show at Berkeley. You were my first like ever interview at Berkeley. That's that's crazy. I think you were responsible for putting that song. I believe it was called "Meant for You" on the rotation at that Berkeley oh, radio yeah. station, <laughs> and that was just the coolest. It was still to this day one of the coolest feelings I've ever had. Well, my, my like, cause here's the thing, like, you know, before we hit record, you were like, oh, like you'd look up to no, like, like I've like, when I entered school, you, I think you had already left or you were just leaving or something. Um, and, but I'd heard about you and there was like, you know, you had done the voice and like, and I'd heard about you from Josh, who was your roommate. 
And like, you know, there was, there was whispers of this person, this, this, this yeah. mythical Dylan Dunlap. And then, you know, you came by, we did the interview, but I remember that week, cause we had just kind of started sleeping line at that point. I remember that week, like you did a house show and like back in like the Alston basements and stuff. But there was like this feeling of like having like being part of an entourage for a second. Like, cause it was Syak oh. and it was Josh. It was all of us just like hanging out, but it was like this sort of event of you visiting. And I, I just remember like really being inspired by that. Really like being like, wow, it's, it, there's, a, there's a level of confidence and like just fun in this that I could, I could actually really enjoy if I, if I can get my shit Aww. together, you know? So I just, oh, that means, that means the world to me. I remember that night very vividly sweating <laughs> so much in that basement. Uh, I think it was a song called Ella. I yes. uh, tried yeah. to get like, <laughs> yes, all of my friends to sing along. And I'm pretty sure I was the only acoustic act of the night. Everyone else was like <laughs> pop punk, just but you're the loud. most compelling, you know, despite the pop punk, because, you know, everybody was singing along to Ella and like all that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going on a nostalgia trip right now. But I just wanted you to <laughs> oh, know that that was, my, that was my first experience with like, with you is just like in this very cool weekend of just like hanging out and doing interviews slash like house shows and stuff. So it was both an introduction to you and an introduction to like what this music thing could look like, you know? Yeah, it's always been a blessing crossing paths. I love your story about Halsey. I thought it was very inspiring. <laughs> a classic. How she inspired you guys to do what you're doing. And yeah, I look up to you both very much. Hey, well, it's, uh, it. we're, we're mutual fans then it seems, but which is, which is, which has always been nice. Like I, I feel, yeah, I feel like you always stuck to your guns in a way that like I truly respect. I feel like so many artists have, us included, I tried to just like figure out so many stuff and I'm sure you also figure out stuff too, but like there's just a way that there's always this authenticity that comes first with you that I have always like respected. I've always just like, oh, thank you. you know, held to. Um, how long have you been in LA for? I'm born and raised here. So oh, I grew okay. up right down the street from where I am quarantined right now with my girlfriend <laughs> in Studio City. And I really only left for that one year in Boston. And then I came back. What was uh, what was that one year like? I mean, you know, obviously there's the Berkeley stuff and there's like the, the voice stuff, but what was like, was there a highlight of the, you know, of being in Boston for that year? Like something that, that you took out of it? I think it was that that open mic night in the first week of Berkeley orientation. <laughs> I guess you were a semester after me, correct? So we yeah. didn't act. Yeah, we okay. were never I don't think we so, were at school at the same time. Do you remember how they advertised a bunch of cool events just right yep. at the beginning yeah. of yep. the semester? And then it's a barren wasteland of events for the rest of the year. Uh, yep. And I just had this vision for myself that I was gonna be a film composer. And I still love scoring things on the side, but I just remember making this really random decision that week in orientation week just to cover Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke at that open <laughs> mic night. And I just remember hearing a lot of cool feedback and I thought, wow, maybe I could actually teach myself how to sing correctly. Maybe I could, maybe it's not too late. I could choose a class to better my vocal range and, and learn more about that. And I just think that was the most impactful moment for me was just the first few days. I, I think it's funny. I, I maybe we've talked about this, but like I, I also went to Berkeley for for film scoring. Like I didn't want to do pop music or music or anything. Like I, I was more interested in film and sound design. It's funny how being surrounded by people who are more artist, like artist inclined, tends to kind of rub off on you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely see the cinematic style from you guys. It's gorgeous. I mean, same thing with Josh though. Do you know his side project Vaudlo? 
Uh, I haven't I haven't I heard so, it yet. No. I've been I've been rocking to Roy Juno, but but not to uh... right. So it's Josh Para and Matt Bolton. They have this side project called Vaudlo, V A U D L O W, and oh. it's instrumental, just therapeutic music. Oh, that's awesome! I have an ear now. I can tell like where someone just oh that person appreciates movie score. Now that you mention it, like I feel the same way about you. There is something like I don't want to say like Garden State, but there is something like there is like a, like a level of like this is the moment in the indie film. You yeah. know, like I feel like you have this filmic understanding of of where a song can sit in like an emotional space. You know, like in like yeah, in, in that sort of cinematic way. I think we, yeah, I think we were, you know, inspired inspired by it and also just sort of inspired by how kind of authentically unabashed like filmmakers tend to be. Like filmmakers tend to just like do their thing yeah. and hope people whereas like I feel like artists are are oftentimes a little bit more like nervous to uh to just sort of be a little weirder or whatever. It makes us what we are, who we are. I feel like my favorite thing is taking risks and talking about things that are just really taboo, but I know they could help people. I know that it's probably not heard a lot in pop music to talk about toxic masculinity and yeah. and alcoholism and bad parenting. And But I think these things really need to be discussed. So it's almost like a fun game for me to find a balance between really easy listening pop music. But if you were to read the lyrics, there it's some serious stuff that I hope can reach out to people. Well, and, and it's the uh, the complexity versus reward aspect of you know pop music and anything like that the more we can talk about like toxic masculinity or the more that we can talk about like inequalities that we see or alcoholism mental health shit parents like the more we can talk about these things the more we give permission to other people to talk about these things yeah, and i you know I, absolutely. I i feel like that that at least starts a kind of conversation and and music is a really like a really powerful vessel for messages. Like it's, I think when you put something to a, a song, music hits our brain in just such a, a nice kind of way that when you're able to like put a message about toxic masculinity or about mental illness in the package of a catchy tune, the message I think has the potential to hit harder. I say sec second only, people. second only to comedy. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. When you first moved, well. When you when you came back to LA, I, I saw you were doing a lot of busking. Yeah, I'm from New York. I was doing the subway thing. Like I appreciate nice. the uh, the busker life. What what was that experience like, and what did you kind of like glean from that 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 maybe has served you since since then? Oh, I think it's I think everyone should do it at least once in their lives. Honestly, <laughs> there was this class that I helped be a part of recently for Live Nation, where they took a bunch of up and coming singer songwriters and put them through all these courses. And then at the end, they could play at the El Rey for all their families and friends in the daytime. And it was really cool. And my involvement with it was being able to talk about street performing to them. And I think my favorite thing is trying to rededicate your efforts as a musician out there and, and try and prioritize what you, what you should be focusing on while you're out there. It's not about money. It's not about the Instagram followers. It should be about growing and, and, in certain ways that make you feel more comfortable to perform on a stage because stages become that much more of a blessing when you don't have them. <laughs> I feel like playing in downtown Burbank, which is where I kind of resided for the most part when I came back to LA, it was great because those moments where I, I would play for this one guy, he's across the street at Starbucks <laughs> on a conference call, like mouthing, like, please stop, I'm on this call to me. <laughs> that I think will be alongside a homeless guy throwing a lighter at me and it exploding like some of my favorite memories because <laughs> I got to realize that you're not always going to make everyone happy. 
you're not always going to get everyone to like your music. There will probably be people out there that hate your music and there's just nothing you could do. I think it's, it's really helpful in focusing on, okay, I can better my craft out here. This is about finding confidence in myself to play the songs like I am in front of a stadium full of people regardless of how many people are actually there. And I and I think that I owe everything that I do now to the bravery that I somehow discovered to play for strangers every day for like three years <laughs> yeah. straight. Did you ever do yeah. um, Newbury Street? I did with Josh and Ryan Watanabe. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember Ryan. Or no, R- Ryan was like the first photographer I'd ever seen. Like I didn't know, like now I live <laughs> with an incredible, uh, you know, concert photographer. Um, but I didn't know what that was until Ryan. So I, uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan's awesome. Shout out to him. <laughs> oh, dude, Ryan, I helped him start his Facebook page for his music back in the day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's still up somewhere, but he is such a talented photographer, man. He's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's crazy good. Yeah, you know, if you're listening, Ryan, hope you hope you've been well. I, I, I owe you a call. We yeah, we did we did Newberry Street. Like I remember just being like like my my fingers freezing just off, like just cold. being so. So uh, cold, but also like <laughs> how nice like a twenty dollar bill felt like like the one yes. the one time you'd get that like you know or the couple times you get that whatever right next to the Trident the bookstore yeah store, right? yeah That's yeah, yeah. we do there so, we, we we go down to the actually we, we that would, spot by the, the one the highly contested spot by the CVS yeah yeah oh <laughs> we we would go down to dude the- I <laughs> I remember making a sign saying, trying to raise money for Catching Fire, the Hunger Games book, because <laughs> I had just finished reading the first one, and the second movie came out, and I didn't want to watch it until I read the book. That's funny. And someone actually, instead of tipping me, bought the book and put it in the guitar case. That's, oh, that's awesome. Great. I, I <laughs> where you I want, I guess. that person. Well, yeah. yeah, we'd go down to the commons and then sort of make our way up, you know, but but at that point it would start getting dark and it would be cold and everything like that. I'm aware that what I'm about to say is going to sound somewhat like like a, a veiled bitterness, but I do feel bad for any artist whose first show is like a like a sold out big venue. Because I feel like like artists can learn so much from just playing to shit, just playing for the person who wants you to shut up across the street. You know, like, or, or just like tr- trying to play above, like the you know the the L train, just trying to be louder than the L train, and just taking the L. Um, <laughs> it's just yeah, uh, I I didn't know you guys did it so much. That's that's really there was cool. a solid period we were like yeah. let's let's try to do this as often as possible. Um, and I, I I was doing it in in high school too for you know, when I was in New York. But also, I mean, we we played plenty of shit out of the blue shows too. Oh, the uh, the art gallery, the art gallery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that dog was so cute. Oh, man. That's the one thing I it would just always lay remember about it. Right in front, right in front of the stage, right? It was it like was a husky, wasn't it? Like, it? like this huge, adorable like wolf, of, wolf of a dog. Yeah. A borderline bear of a dog. There was that in the Middle East upstairs. I yeah. remember that one. That's a good one. I was never cool enough to play downstairs. No, I mean, neither, neither were we, but but we definitely played up, upstairs. I remember seeing you actually at, at Out of the Blue. Out of the Blue was weird, though, because they charged the same as like Great Scott. Or like any other like major you know indie venue around there like that level venue despite being just like a plot on the floor that you would play you know it was like it was like they would charge like for a venue but they were a, like a so far show yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> it's definitely bizarre I think uh, the song that uh, that like I first kind of like was was brought back into into your world with was liar lover.
Um, there was just so much energy. Like I, I know, I know. Like I went back and like like everything, but I remember the song that like that that kind of reached out and kind of gripped me was was Larry Lover, and that song just moves in in such an incredible way. How, what was the sort of inspiration for that song, and and how did it kind of come to be? Oh man, that was a big session. That was a massive session. <laughs> a lot of guitars in that one. So I have a tight knit team of Ben Zelico and Kirk Adolph. Ben does drums. He produces with me. He mixes everything. Kirk is guitar, graphic design. We all wear so many different hats and we're best friends. And that was the third song we had ever written together. The first one being Clockwise, the second one being something else, and then Liar Lover. And I love the idea of writing love songs that are not actually about love, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, I like that liar lover, I have no idea what you get from it, but I assume it involves love. And for me, it involved a horrible independent record deal gone wrong <laughs> uh, in like 2014. And just the idea of if you were to run into somebody that wronged you, quote unquote wronged you, what would you do? What would you say? Uh, would you? Is there forgiveness involved? Do you just go separate ways? And so I feel like the bridge specifically in that song really touches on that. And but I never want what's to make the, what's it the line from the bridge? Should we even work this out? Could I ever hear you out? Would you hear me screaming out? Should we even work this out? Could I ever hear you out? Would you hear me screaming out? Screaming out. So just the conversation of two people, would would they listen to each other? Or when you victimize yourself, are you completely blocking it off so the other person's thoughts and concerns they don't matter because they wronged you and it's like the who's the bad guy kind of question in this hmm. situation and i love taking a step back and taking ownership for my actions and and i never want to victimize myself so i love taking bad situations and somehow trying to flip them and and do some good with them so i hope that song can help anybody that is in a a really difficult relationship or just exited one. Well, and what's nice about it is that it almost has like a narrator quality to it, mm. yet you feel the skin in the game. And so you're you're both yes, with yeah. like in it in it and out of it. Like you're you're both above it and like in the center of it. And I think that that's that's something that oftentimes like I can relate to in the sense that when you're in like in those situations, when you're in that place where you got to decide who you are and like what you're going to be in it, you are both removed and seeing the big picture and very much affected by like the 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 minuscule parts of it, you know, like the 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 details of it. So I yeah, I, I definitely I definitely appreciate that song. Oh, thank you. I remember the first time I heard uh, "Face Value" was uh, was actually when you performed it at Black Rabbit Rose. I think it was a writer's block show. Back when they did it yeah. at, at Black Rabbit Rose, I I loved those nights. Yeah, at Black Rabbit Rose. Yeah, those are those are incredible. But I I remember when you played Face Value, my jaw hit the floor, and I just kept looking at Ari. Re, like, is this real? Like, is this like this is? It was one of the 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 best choruses I had heard in like a minute. Like it was <laughs> it was just so. And you know, you just go up there okay. and you just fucking hit that. You know, you hit that that. Uh, It just it killed me. So yeah, when the when the I made the mistake making that in C sharp, I should have just done C <laughs> all the day. But we really uh, 
really tried to be edgy and go a half a step higher for that. Song. No, I, I think, and I think the half step makes it. You know, I think the half step. Yeah. You know, if it was a half step lower, I just, you know, I feel like my soul would want just an extra, you know, an extra semitone. You know, <laughs> it's like a, it, it's like a Mike from Breaking Bad says, you know, no half step measures. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> oh my. Dude, I still have to watch Better Call Saul. I heard the newest episodes are it just is incredible. So good. Yeah. It's just I've been watching so much of it and it's so incredible. And I strongly recommend any breaking bad fan just like get into it. Just dive in. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great quote though. That's that's a really great quote. I remember his character a lot. Yeah, well, you know, I think, uh, yeah, you know, my, my dad used to always say, if you're going to do something wrong, do it right. There's always, um, if you're going to get hung for stealing a hen, steal a rooster. Like, there's all these things of, like, if you're going to do something, if you if you half anything, you're going to be upset in both directions. Yeah, the, the, there's, a, there's a really stupid uh, deep cut inside baseball engineering thing that one time in a mixed class, I tried to half side chain the base to the kick. And my professor was like, don't, if you're going to side chain the base to the kick, you can't do it halfway. You either have to do it or don't do it. <laughs> and wow. It is something that I think about often. Oh, I so um, agree with that. That's, yeah, but that's it's like, so yeah, it's like, cool. don't, don't commit to it. Uh, uh, Bob Ross, just we're, we're throwing, now we're just throwing quotes like in your direction. No, uh, Bob <laughs> Ross says, uh, make big decisions and let them go. That's and I, I've always liked that one. I he love just, it. I he would just drop wisdom. Yeah. That's what keeps this exciting, though, is Ben and I, when we go back and forth, on, we're working on four songs right now all at once, and it's a blast sending files back and forth. He's in Sherman Oaks, and we just we love trying to figure out just what would we do? Because the question is always finding inspiration from, from others, which is crucial, but at the same time, I think that I've established my relationship enough with him and my team to the point where we can go, what do we want to do? And... How risky do we want to be and who cares? Because if we love it, that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. If well, we and your fans are coming it. for your sensibility. You know, like your fans are coming like for what you bring to the table. Like you make this, like they don't want to know what Ariana Grande or whatever would decide for your music. They want to know what you would decide for your music. And I feel like we have to just, you know, collectively trust our guts a little bit more. You guys do the same with, with your songs. I feel like it's just time. Time is the only thing that'll help encourage you to believe that you're creating your own sound yeah. through time. Yeah. And it's not forced. It just happens through each release. I think I think that that, that takes that does take time for artists to find and tr trust their guts and, and even be able to hear their guts and like what they want. You know, I, t I told you when we were at coffee, we scrapped a year worth of music because it was all right, but it also wasn't where we wanted it to be or, or what we were vibing with. What's been nice about the quarantine is actually revisiting some of those songs we had scrapped and saying, well, if we were to actually do this and, and care about it and, and bring our sensibility that we've earned, I think, to it, what would this look like? And I feel like that's been a really powerful and impactful way of, of going about it. But that's also, yeah, yeah that, that's why I like about a song like Face Value is that you go there. Like it goes there and it, and it hits... Like that, what, what was the process for that song? Was there a line that kind of stood out that sort of opened it up for you? Like, because that that's a song that I feel like strikes a chord, but also has a lot of kind of skin in that game along with your sensibility. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think Ben and I were at his friend's house in Agora Hills. It had like this $90,000 grand piano. We were working <laughs> on a a cover sync for this, this uh, publishing company. We were trying to flip... Uh, 
song from the early 2000s and make it dark cinematic. And while we were there, I just asked him, I remember asking just, can we just record as much as we can in the next 24 hours since we're here? Because <laughs> there's n no plugin will sound as good as this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because it's not even in the final mix, but in the early stages, I had this right hand root and fifth part. It was a and then that I'd, we just kind of looped it. There's no chords or whatever. And then I added the left hand going from, you know, oh God, what key is this? C sharp minor? Yes. <laughs> a sharp minor. <laughs> F minor to F sharp major and and just falling in love and sitting with the chords for a second because I find myself trying to figure out what I want to say so quickly that I forget that the reason why I fell in love with all of this, just like you, is because of just the music on its own. And so I remember Ben and I just sitting with the what the one take piano recording for a few minutes and somehow ending up deciding on less is more. Let's say something three times in a row. Tell me how. Tell me how. <laughs> tell me how to take you at face value. Tell me how to take you at face value when I put the walls around you. Tell me how. Now, when you say that out loud, it sounds ridiculous, but I, I always have to remind myself that leaving that room in the song is sometimes what it needs. What is best for the song? And it's not always... How many words can I fit into this hook? It's just, I can say things in other ways, shapes and forms in a song. I could say it with the right hand on the piano, just as much as a lyric. And so I think that this chorus is really simple. It's a converse, it came from a conversation Ben and I had and it kind of wrote itself in 45 minutes or so. I think uh, to that, like, you know, you know me, I'm a very lyric driven person. Like I really love, uh, you know, lyrical stuff, but I also strongly believe that if there's something that just like grips you repeat it like if there's something that's just like incredible forget the words for a second forget everything for a second like i want to hear it again i want to hear it three times if if i can you know like <laughs> like um i think that that's why at this point songs are getting shorter too is because people are realizing okay well if you don't give them a chorus the third time they're going to want to hear it a third time and so they're just going to play the song again there's this kind of like understanding of, of okay, yeah, like th th there's some really compelling parts and we're just going to give it, we're just going to like let let you have that, like kind of as like a reward for, for sticking with this song. So that's how I feel about the song is that it does say a lot and it does tell a lot, but you get a moment to breathe in the chorus with a melody that just like absolutely stays with you, you know? Thank you. I, I'm a huge fan of two major chords, so I think that <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure we put them in almost every song, so... <laughs> That's what hooks me is is breaking the rules. But as you guys know, we learned all the rules in order to break them. So yeah. I, I always try to encourage that to myself when it comes to the songwriting is just uh, what will satisfy my needs musically <laughs> as much well, as possible. I, I feel like Noah and I are, are, are somewhat like our inclinations when they're not reined in tend to go towards the more artistic and potentially Broadway than like the sort of pop lean, which is why we we make sure to like trust those instincts, but also like yeah, kinda, like not not overdo it and not like go too far in that direction, so as to like alienate people who might otherwise enjoy something. <laughs> only only a little Lin Manuel 
for yeah, just a little bit. It's, it's, like it's like a little sprinkling. It's just yeah. like, it's like a little garnish. You know, you use <laughs> using all the a little dash of it. Just just a little flavor. You get you get a shallot of Broadway in every yeah. one of our songs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I, I you know sort of speaking of pop music and all that stuff too. If that's all right, it's doing and and it has done incredibly. Like you. You have passed a million monthly listeners. I'm incredibly proud of you. Like that's oh, thank you. Incredible. Like that's insane. Was there a feeling writing that that it was like it, that it was a shift? It was a change in in something? I mean, it fits. It fits in your catalog. It's it carries your sensibilities absolutely. But but obviously, there's something about that song that resonated with people in a, in an entirely explosively new kind of kind of way. What what was that process of that song like? And and how, how have you felt like through this sort of rise of the of you and, and the song, you know? Oh, it's really surreal because a lot of the successes come from Europe. And when my home base is in Los Angeles, we're not I'm not able to see the shows that it is featured in. I'm not able to see like the radio stations that are playing it. So I just have to I read an email and I and I take a second and go, wow, this is younger Dylan would have killed for this. <laughs> but then I have to move on because there's so much to be done here in America. And I think with If That's All Right, it's so weird because you know how you submit a song on Spotify for artists? There's that page, has all the genres and the moods. Yep. And then the, the blurb at the bottom that says, basically, tell us why we should listen to your song. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I am so, I owe it to my obsessive compulsive tendencies, but I, I care so much about doing everything I can for that. And I put out a lot of releases before If That's All Right. I want to say like 10, maybe total, nine or 10 songs. And Every time it was this ordeal where I would sit down, take a deep breath and, and spend the next whatever hour doing it. But with If That's All Right, I remember it was the first week of November last year and we had decided, screw it, why not? End of the year, let's just throw this out there. We can't beat this stripped production that Kirk and I did in Arizona because it is just so raw. <laughs> why try to recreate it? Let's just stick with this. Let's get it mastered. Harry Hess mastered it. We threw it into uh, one RPM, distributed it. And then that page came up on Spotify for Artists. And I just remember thinking, you know, I want to do something different because this is already so different. We care a little less, but in the right amount of ways. In this blurb, I'm just going to explain the meaning of the song. And I'm going to just pour my entire heart out <laughs> into, the, into this submission form. <laughs> and uh, look, honestly, I have no idea. I think it, it was heard by the, it must have been heard by the right people. And it resonated, which is so incredible for me to think about. But I, I just think that there's something to that mindset that I made sure to have because I care so much that it's my downfall, especially when it comes to marketing, especially when it comes to production and basically every facet of, of what you and I do for a living. And, <laughs> and it makes me me. So I, I don't regret how much sleep I don't get thinking about all the things <laughs> I want to do. But I will say there was some peace before any streams. It had negative streams. And there was just this peace with the song, knowing that I did everything I possibly could with it. And I and I just hope in this holiday season it reaches out to people to 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 feel more comfortable being alone and and embrace that that self-acceptance because I spent all of 2019, I'm pretty sure around the time I met you for Coffee Nate, trying to figure out how to enjoy being alone with myself. I used to be such an introvert back in the college days and and I had just gotten out of a very long relationship in the beginning of last year and I just remember thinking I I need to fall in love with going to the movies alone <laughs> and 
and getting a beer and, and sitting in my own apartment and just breathing and, and being okay with that, being okay with the silence. So it's cool to, to know that I, I was so honest and vulnerable and it, and it reached almost 8 million people now on Spotify. Like that means the world to me. And the process was just so organic. And so ever since then, I've just been trying to keep that mindset. I'm not trying to recreate a song at all, <laughs> but I am trying to keep the mindset of, do I love it? Do you love it? Does everyone love it? Let's do it. Let's, let's just do it. Let's, I'm going to come up with the words to, to share this when it comes out and let's just work as hard as we can to get it around, but not be disappointed because expectation breeds disappointment. I feel like every time. Yeah. I agree. Well, and, and it's also that, you know, there, there's the validation there too, that you were just being real and that realness translated on a global scale. What I love so much about when we got coffee that day was that you and I were in breakup town. You and I had had just uh, gotten ourselves a ticket to breakup town, um, <laughs> and we, <laughs> you know, sure at, at first it like you know the conversation we were talking about music, we were talking about life, like we were reminiscing on Berkeley stuff. But then it kind of got to that that you and I were both in breakup town. We were both like upset. We were there were ways that it was affecting us creatively. There was ways that it was affecting us pers personally, and also aware of this sort of growth that was ahead of us. And I think part of that growth was both of us just getting comfortable with being alone. I think uh, so much. I mean, I, I started therapy uh, this year, and That's amazing. Uh, as, as did I, as did Noah. And there's something that I learned that like you know I I would obsess over relationships <laughs> because I. I would put so much of like my sort of self-worth in that. So I feel like the reason your song resonated with me, I and mean, I imagine with 8 million people as well, is because, and also being a Jew in Los Angeles around Christmas, uh, you're pretty much alone because <laughs> everybody's uh, away with their family and you're like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go home for Christmas, you know? Oh, like, dude, we got Chinese food and movies, man. That's all we need. That's what we, yeah, you know? That, that, that was the thing is that, like, I, you know, I, I was trying to, but but again, I was I was in breakup town, so I was, like, trying to just enjoy that. I remember seeing Jojo Rabbit by myself and really getting moved both by the movie but also by how much I enjoyed seeing the movies by myself and realizing that I didn't even know I could enjoy that. I didn't even know... Because I would always look down on myself for seeing a movie by myself or for being alone. And so like yeah. I would judge it before I could even enjoy it. Oh, man. That is that is a huge stereotype. I feel like when when you find out your friend went to the movies alone, we're, we're always so quick to just go, oh, really? Yeah. And Table for one. I know that if anyone's listening to this podcast, they can't see it. But I have this tattoo right here now of a bunch of movie seats and me oh, sitting wow. alone. I love that. Right. And honestly, man, I think the first one I saw alone was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I was, I had just turned 17. That was my 17th R-rated birthday outing. And it sucked, man. But the movie going experience was, was incredible because when you think about it, if you're going to the movies with somebody, your brain, you can't stop it from going, oh, I hope this person next to me likes it. Oh, I, I, absolutely. All the conversations that you want to have. And it, it's cool to, even with my girlfriend now, like we... We talk during movies because we just love spending time with each other and and talking no matter what, but we're also able to be silent with each other. And I think that is what was lacking in any friendship that I might have had in the past or, or any kind of relationship is is the the comfortable silence that it was lacking. And so now obviously I've gotten more comfortable seeing movies with someone else, <laughs> preferably her. But I, I think that's amazing that 
that you've you've done that and you've grown to realize like that's actually a very therapeutic experience. Well, that that was like the highlight of 2020. Like that was one of the best days of the year. Mind you, this year kind of took a turn where best days is not necessarily like a high benchmark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, but I just went, I went to the Americana. I bought like new shoes, which was like a big kind of like sticking point. For me, nice. I, I told my therapist, like, I consider myself a brain in the jar, so why invest in the jar? And she's like, that's sad. <laughs> you know that sounds sad, right? Right. So I bought I bought myself shoes and, like, some skincare stuff and just, like, ate a sandwich while the fountain was doing its thing. And then I had some time to kill. So I um, – no, actually, I had to get my parking validated. So I'm like, I – I'm just going to watch a movie and that'll be how I validate my parking. So I just went and watched Jojo Rabbit myself. And that was honestly one of the best days of the, you know, and, and it was just great because for the first time I realized I could enjoy being by myself and just sort of doing nothing alone. What a great film to see for your first one alone. I right, mean, right. That movie, that movie was gorgeous. Uh, was I loved stunning. it. But that, that's the thing too is you, you almost, and I feel like this probably happened with, with you and, and Marissa, when you realize you can be alone, being with somebody else becomes a choice. And when you have that choice, it means that you get to choose who you actually want to be with as opposed to like who's kind of like filling the gnawing, aching void in your, in your heart, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, how did, how did you two meet? Oh, shit. And I, she loves. I only asked as it. a segue into who would have thought. No, of course. I. I mean, she's an incredibly talented actress and and dancer and voiceover actress. And she moved. She made the big move to L.A. about five or so years ago with her mom. But they needed a place to stay. I'm going to summarize this as fast as I can. <laughs> uh, they they found someone, and her name's Ashley, and her husband's Joey, and and they kind of just stayed in their house in uh, I want to say Chatsworth, and Joey's a bass player and who I, I happened to meet by playing at a Christian church in Burbank uh, called <laughs> South Hills. And Joey and I does. just started, we started playing together and, and I had him do some, some of my shows and Joey would always invite her to come to the show to, to meet me and maybe we could be friends if anything. Right. And she just, she never made it out, not because she didn't want to, but because I, I was in a relationship at the time and, and it just didn't, it didn't seem right. And so Marissa had been following me for a little bit from afar and one night just randomly decided to message me, I think for the second or third time total, just to comment on some rant I did on Instagram like I used to do a lot. <laughs> I, 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 the, your rants meant a lot. I remember those. those. Uh, oh, yeah. thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> she commented on one. And it was, I don't know, like 11 p.m. And I had just moved into my new apartment in Burbank. And this is so unlike me, but part of me just wanted to meet her. I felt like I had to meet her right now. And <laughs> and and I asked her and and literally like 30, 40 minutes later, we met at this bar and we and we 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 spent the entire night talking and crying out of laughter and walking around the streets of Burbank. I think we ended at like four or five in the morning and it was just so pure and it was so, I forgot what time it was. I forgot every <laughs> stress I had on my brain, which is very hard with the things that I struggle with. And it, it just wiped clean. And we have been best friends ever since. And that's how I like describing her because she truly is my all-time best friend. You know, when all when all this mm. is over, I, I look forward to meeting her. She was hilarious and I'm not okay with this. Uh, she, <laughs> like, I, I actually laughed out loud. I think I texted you like immediately afterwards. I was just like, yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> the marijuana is a gateway drug line. Yep, that yep. She has. 
<laughs> oh, she's she's amazing. And I think that it's so great to be somebody's cheerleader and and have somebody as your cheerleader. But but at the at the end of the day, throw it all away and we we would be okay. We would be totally fine. If just take all the all of our money stress away, our jobs, like our first and foremost priority is how we can love on each other the most. And I think that that is what is getting us through this quarantine right now too, you know? Yeah, and, I can imagine. Uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same about each other. I, I think that this transcends all kinds of relationships and it's very important to, to have those people in your life. If, if anything, yeah. I feel like some of the the more like uh, smaller tensions in the house kind of dissipated as we all realized we'd have to sort of be here together. And so we've just, it's been actually enjoyable just like watching, you know, shows and movies and and just like having fun where we can in, in all of this, you know? So I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely vibe with that. Uh, did you write Who Would Have Thought after that night you guys hung out? We had this weird pattern of going to diners with human names like Vivian's <laughs> and Sloan's and uh, all of September 2019, we had gone to a bunch of diners and there was this one experience where she was waiting for me at Vivian's on Ventura in Studio City. And I I felt, again, I had no control, just very compelled to sit down and tell her exactly my priorities with her and my intentions with her <laughs> and what I, what I wanted and just put it all on the line and see what happens. And we both ended up crying, I think. And... <laughs> Uh, it was great. So who would have thought the song that I just released is about that diner going experience, that specific day at Vivian's where we spent God knows how many hours just having the deepest conversations I think I've ever had. And so the verses are words that actually were said. Tell me, Marissa, where did you come from? Let's order two cups of coffee I don't care if they don't come Tell me, Melissa Do you mind if I ask you Is there something you need from me? Well, I'm here all afternoon She's basically a co-writer at this point for that <laughs> song because of those conversations. And I have always had a love-hate relationship with my hometown. I think everyone leaves their hometown to pursue something greater elsewhere. That's for the creatives. That's how I feel yeah. about New York. I feel like New York was a place I had to leave to just sort of prove to New York I didn't need it, you know? Exactly. And I love that about you. And I love that about all of my friends that have packed their cars, packed all their shit, and just traveled across the country. It is so brave, and it's something, if I'm being honest, growing up, I envied because everyone was moving here. And <laughs> I've just, I've had so many traumatizing experiences in my personal life, my family, and I always thought like a fresh start somewhere else would be the move. And what I realized is if I did run away, I would probably be taking my demons with me and... Mm. I think it's really mature of me to actually stay put and find the beauty in Los Angeles, find the beauty in the relationship that I'm so madly in love with right now. And I've actually fallen in love with sun. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I love rain and it never rains here. And I just, there are so many new found discoveries that I've had since September. And I thought that that kind of perfectly captured that moment in time. And so I surprised it with her at the hi-hat, Grant Owens, that, oh, yeah. That oh yeah. We found new music showcase he had and it was a really huge show and it was cool 
and I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> and I threw the band off the stage and I just played it for her. And it was a really special moment. I, I like that I'm able to help people get to know my relationship. But at the end of the day, I like that I'm hopefully able to write in a way where people can get what they need out of it as well. There's a balance. I never want it to be solely about my experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah. You uh, There's a photo of her reacting to the, the song, right? <laughs> Yes, that yep. that uh that that definitely like hit home for me. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Like, there's you know, like, like I said, talk talking about like skin in the game and authenticity. It's like you know, you you put it like you put yourself out there. But what I like is that you could fill in um, Marissa with anybody, and and I you know, in my yes. heart, I, I have, and there is something about that line in the chorus. It's like, who would have thought you'd make me love California? Like there are people who, um, I mean, that was the basis for one of our, you know, first songs about Boston. But like, there's something to be said about re-experiencing your own city through somebody you love's eyes because you can't help but like love it as well. Like, like, like when you're going out with somebody and they show you, you know, Gossip Girl, or Their Bachelor, or whatever. Like shows on your own, you might be, maybe might not have been into, but you love it because they love it, and then all of a sudden, like you know, it becomes this thing for you. The same could be said for a place like California or a place like Boston or New York or whatever, that, that you can you can love it because you get to see it through new eyes. And I feel like uh, what I love about that song is that it really captures that. It's, it's a great love song, but also it's like kind of uh, an encouragement to like give your city another chance or give your life another chance th by experiencing it from a different perspective. Thank um, you. Oh, thank you so much, man. That's why it's been in my head for the last 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. Well, I I think I think in that in that spirit too, in the in the spirit of authenticity, one of the things that and you were talking about your rants, and that was actually my in a lot of ways outside of when when I got to be part of the entourage for a second, a, a big kind of introduction to you was when you would post these really candid, uh, as you say, rants, but just like these these sort of longer posts about how you were feeling at a certain time. Like you talked about anxiety, you talked about depression, you talked about what it meant to feel all of these things. And I know I was actually reading somewhere that you, um, there have been various organizations you've been involved with and you've received awards from and stuff. But I think you've in a lot of ways inspired us to be more candid about uh, the mental health uh, experiences that we've had, um, as well as just making people feel less alone with it by by engaging with it. What has that been like for you being so like open about about your experiences with mental health? Uh, and, and what do you, what do you hope people can kind of take away from opening up this conversation? I think that the second you realize going back to that street performing conversation, the second you realize that you will not be able to make everybody happy, there's always going to be judgment. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like your music. It's the same thing with talking about mental illness. There's always going to be those people that that think that's not what you should do. You should shut up and play. Just kind of like people are telling basketball players to just play <laughs> ball instead of try to talk politics. I mean, the truth is, if you're passionate about something, what a beautiful thing it is to take to a platform and try and spread good. Just talking about things that are that are literally causing lives to to end to change in so many different ways. I mean, so many people are affected by this, whether it's, it's somebody, one of you guys struggles with it or you know somebody, it's definitely one of the two. 
And I think that it's an amazing time now that that there are so many creatives that are so vulnerable and honest. And for me, it's never been a gimmick. It's never been because it's what is cool to do. Quote unquote anxiety a, pop and whatnot. Exactly. The 13 reasons why style yeah, yeah. of yeah. creating. I, I think that I, I'm so like happy to be in in a time where I can go on Netflix and find a movie right on the homepage that's about something like this that's traumatizing, but it's so beautifully put. And the same thing with music, it's everywhere. But for me, it's always been a really difficult challenge because what I struggle with as it is diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum, it's such a specific thing. And music is such a universal thing. So I have always wanted to find a way to talk about my life experiences, but only to turn the table, only to say, here's here's me, but but really this is about you opening up. Maybe not to me. Maybe it's not through a direct message. Maybe it's not through the, the, at the end of the show coming up to me. Maybe it's you just being alone with your thoughts and being a little bit more comfortable than you were before or talk or reaching out to someone you know. And I feel like I've been through so much that it would be a waste for me to dance around these topics as a songwriter. If I'm writing something and it takes three weeks, I don't care because I, I want to fall in love with every single piece piece of music I make. I want I don't care how long it takes to make it, how short. I want to be able to find the balance between using this as a form of therapy for me, but but really just trying to bring people together. The thing with autism, last thing, the thing with autism is that it kind of prevents you from feeling a whole lot. And so I don't really have that kind of stage fright or like if I put out a song, I don't really have that that fear of people not liking it. I, I'm just kind of incapable of of that kind of fear. I fear other things, marketing <laughs> side, uh, technicality issues and and malfunctions. But in terms of me talking about like my dad, there's a song I'm going to put out this year that is so specifically about what happened when I was a kid, but it kind of hits home into the bridge that talks about with the lyrics, it's okay to cry, it's okay to laugh, it's okay to be happy when I'm told I'm supposed to be sad. And there are so many moments like that where I, I, I'm so grateful that I can use music to to find that balance that I'm talking about. And so because I'm not able to feel all that much sometimes, I don't, I don't care about taking these risks because I know that statistically speaking, there are so many people out there that that could that could use the help and if it's not me maybe i can promote a mental health organization on my page that that is full of actual medical professionals that can do some good that can help and any way i can i'm going to team up with with people that that don't have enough notoriety online that are that are doing incredible things well to ampl to amplify those those messages what's the name of the song that that's coming out about your father uh we're, i'm going to call it what we had Mm -hmm. But I do strongly feel like what you're saying because it was like I was saying before too, is that if we can talk about it, not only are we expressing it, but we give others permission to talk about it as well. And, you know, we, we've both, we've both been through mental health things and I feel like we've, we've also faced various degrees of support, but also taboo avoidance of it as well. Um, I feel like people are still trying to understand what it means. Um, even in the music community, I feel like sometimes we've had to take mental health days or sometimes we've had to, uh, sometimes we, we just have not necessarily acted like ourselves because we've been having a, a, a weird day and it's, and it's taken in a certain weird, weird way. So I feel like just everybody having permission to be themselves and to 
feel everything they feel. And actually knowing that feeling highs and lows and these these complex combinations of the two um, are not are not wrong that you they're they're valid and that they're that they're part of what living is especially in 2020 when there is genuine reasons to be anxious and depressed and confused um and that you know oftentimes we distract ourselves because we don't want to face what's around us you know i mean at least at least personally i've i've, I've just personally had a a, a larger run in with mental health than i have in the past of my life without going into too much detail and, and i did, one of the things i've i have faced a little bit is is stigma within myself and stigma from like people who are close to me and just learning to to open up and be okay with that mental illness is like any other kind of illness and it's like you know we 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 philosophically treat regular illnesses very differently than we treat mental illnesses like if you get sick you know everyone's just like get well soon but mental illness because it's tied to your personality like carries a different kind of weight and it's definitely something i've been working through recently i'm trying to be okay with you know that that it's that it's a struggle also, yeah. we, we shouldn't have to pay hundreds of dollars for therapy. I just think as a as a <laughs> as a society, yeah. I think as a society we shouldn't. I think um, you know I I urge like the the, the PROs and everything to uh, at some point help to to provide like therapy tools or therapy for musicians because I feel like especially musicians could benefit all from <laughs> yeah. from having subsidized therapy in some kind of way. But yeah. I appreciate you sharing, Noah. By oh, the yeah, way, man, that, thank you for that. I think we treat a nut allergy so so easily, right? <laughs> EpiPen or you take Claritin or something, that's it. No one cares. But like when it becomes a psychological condition, it's so much more embarrassing for us sometimes. And I think it's just about breaking the stigma, man. I think it's about being able to have small talk about it. Yeah. So something I've never experienced growing up is a full family having dinner and 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 everyone's together. And you're able to talk about all your issues and like, how was your day? Like that, that never really happened for me, but I feel like that I can either wallow in my misery and, and sadness for everything I didn't experience, or I can try and contribute to maybe prevent things from happening for other people or contribute to just this conversation shifting to the point where you can go, how was your day? How was work? How was your depression? Are and you you just yeah. give it the time of day yeah. and enough of that. This is what my girlfriend teaches me by asking me how my issues are so head on the way she does is it makes you feel like it's okay to talk about it because it's worded in in such a normal comforting way that is wrapped around other conversational topics and it's not a secret it's not a secret no, that you have to exactly. dance around i feel often especially when it comes to trauma trauma is treated like this secret that when you finally get to actually talk about it it's usually in the context of somebody else sharing trauma and letting every like letting all of these guards down letting uh, a degree of vulnerability person to person like you said lets it become a part of your day it lets it become this way of connecting and this way of being uh, open so things don't fester in a in an unhealthy kind of kind of way. I agree. And and maybe practicing that so much can lead you to caring a little less about the labels. Yeah. And just realizing you you are normal is never you're never going to be achieve it. It is it is impossible to be quote unquote normal and to try and seek that out. I have personally failed every time and forgotten that I am perfectly enough as I am. Well, and and, and David Foster Wallace uh said that which seems to express tends to invoke which oftentimes when we say, oh, we're depressed, oh, we're anxious, like we are, we are this or we are that, sometimes because we are now labeling ourselves as this, oh, I am fucked up, oh, I am traumatized, et cetera, 
when we label ourselves as these things with all the sort of societal baggage that those labels come with, we could even sometimes exacerbate those problems when we express them in this in this sort of way that isn't to like level it out, but instead to like label ourselves and kind of shame ourselves for feeling human, you know? So I feel like there's there's definitely something to be said, you know, about just just being being real and letting letting it be as much a part of your daily life as as anything else. And that's enough. That's, that's enough. More than enough as that's, is. That's more than enough. We're just approaching the hour, but I'm wondering, do you want to do a quick lightning round? There's just like a couple questions quick off the off the dome. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. First question. Oh, no. What is your phone background? My screensaver is of me and Marissa, and my phone's actual background is Coldplay's A Head Full of Dreams logo. Oh, nice. That's nice. a good one. Second question. Do you have a non-musical hobby? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one I have for us. You guys answer that. <laughs> Uh, pickling. No, um, I play. I play. Pickling. I play a lot of video games. Uh, I love writing poetry, uh, riding my bike, writing TV reviews. <laughs> I've been getting. In, I've been getting into visual art, like doing like graphic design stuff more recently, nice. and like collage kind of art. Video games is an obvious one. I really like cooking, I'm, like making cocktails, some good stuff. Nice man. Oh, you got a cocktail maker in the house? Oh yeah, that, he's that's, he's incredible. That's, yeah. yeah, he also he made me like a latte with like like rose syrup. Oh yeah, uh, like I asked for coffee and he gave me like a a rose like latte. a like oh, a rose wow. latte. You better uh, have charged him like seven dollars for that. Yeah, you know I'm I'm, I'm counting I'm, I'm counting my blessings. I've got I've got a tab going. He's got a tab going. <laughs> I would have to say my hobby is. I'm not even joking. I see every single movie that comes out into theaters. So I'm not right now, obviously, but. I mean, every single one that would come out. Have you watched Onward? Absolutely, twice. Yeah, I, I, I definitely cried. You, you, you have an older sister, yeah. I do. I, I think, do. I think sibling relationships are always complicated, regardless of of who you are. And I feel like Onward just like twists that knife in just a beautiful way. Oh, don't even, don't even <laughs> give it. We can do our own podcast just about that movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was beautifully done. I really liked the music too. Yeah. Of that one. Uh, do you have a skill that you would like to have? I would like to cook better. I really would. That's a good one. Same. Yeah. I've just yeah. learned breakfast burritos and it's been a game changer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Every day. Every yeah. day you're doing it now, that's, huh? That's, yep. That's been, that's been every day. <laughs> yeah. I think I've had a breakfast burrito like six out of seven days out of the week since quarantine started. <laughs> it's um, fine. <laughs> what would you say your superpower is as Dylan Dunlap? Oof. Which that sounds like a superhero name, by the way. Like Dylan Dunlap it does sounds sound like, like a Stan Lee character. Like a Stan Lee's like alter no ego. Way. Because they're really? all like alliteration names. Like, yeah, Peter Parker, you know, like Lois they're all- Lane. I wish Lois I could Lane. take credit. I wish I could take credit for it. <laughs> Selfless love. Like I, I just I just want to, unconditional loving of of people. I try to, I strive to do that at least. That's a good one. I, th- I think you, you, you care so honestly that like, like for anybody in LA who's used, used to having their own guard up, it's like at first just like, like uh, uh, oh no, and then you're like oh this person cares just so genuinely and, and honestly that like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna also give that back like I'm gonna just you know like yeah I just I I don't want anything from anyone or I, you guys are the same way too I I get that vibe it's like if that's the superpower then no great. I think that's I think it. that is a superpower that's absolutely honestly. a superpower Be, being able to like care without having your guard up is is absolutely huge. But that's why too, it's like in Los Angeles, it's such a weird town to have that superpower because it's, it is genuinely a superpower. And people people are not used to experiencing it. It is like seeing Superman for a second. Oh, <laughs> All right, uh, important question. Would you be a pirate? I was obsessed with the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Oh, yeah, I yeah. would absolutely, I think I wanted to be Will Turner the most. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Orlando Bloom. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do you, uh, what was your first tattoo? It was in Boston. 
uh, again, they you, they can't see this, but it's I have a full blown octave on my left arm, C to C. It was just the keyboard by itself, all the white and black keys, and it was the most painful experience of my entire life. <laughs> nice. Can you can you? Because I also know. Uh, I, I happen to know some of your tattoos. Not I don't, this doesn't always happen on the show, but I happen to also know the arrow, and I really like the arrow. Can you describe that? Oh, the <laughs> I have an arrow on my right forearm. I heard from my good family friend Jerry McQueen. He was telling me about this motivational speaker that inspired him. I think it was online or something. He was talking about when you're facing a really challenging obstacle. It's right in front of you. Visualize maybe a highway, right in the middle of the highway, in the desert, and you just can't get through it. But our mentalities are usually to just figure out a way, bulldoze it down, tear through it, just push through that kind of mindset. And this guy was talking about it. What if we thought about this obstacle as an arrow instead that could guide you into a different destination? So instead of walking through this thing and trying to fix this thing, because the reality of life is that there's a lot of things we don't have control over. There's a lot of things we can't fix. Maybe that is supposed to make us pivot in a completely different direction and maybe go off off course. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I remember I remember you posting about that tattoo, um, but I didn't. I remembered that I loved the story, but I couldn't remember what specifically that story was. So I'm glad that you you, <laughs> you shared that. Thanks. Uh, what was the first concert you attended? My mom forced me to go to Bon Jovi. Ooh, Ooh. that's a good one. <laughs> now, nothing against Bon Jovi. It's just when you're eight years old and everybody's just middle-aged screaming these songs you don't know at Staples Center. And as I don't know. I yeah, that sounds a, a bit weird, but that's that's a fun one. Um, oh yeah. What uh? What what's your go to karaoke song? Oh man, I, would you believe me if I said I've only done it once? I've only done karaoke like once. Or, uh, it's, it's, you know, we've we've been asking this question a couple times, and you either have somebody who's like, I love karaoke and I do it all the time, or you've got people who are like, you know, I don't really fuck with karaoke that much. Yeah, it's not even a cocky thing. I just I find myself very uncomfortable because. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to try or get very drunk and then try. Yeah. It's a whole, th I would say the time I did karaoke, uh, some whiskey was consumed and I had done, uh, I think it was all these things that I've done by the killers. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. Nice. <laughs> what are your favorite movie, favorite book and favorite TV show? I would say Whiplash, Silver Linings, Playbook, Perks of Being Wallflower. Those movies are fantastic. I would say... Every Day is a book by an author named David Levithan. David Levithan, He's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much in the John Green world. And it's a it's an amazing book about this being. It's not a guy or a girl, just a, just this entity that wakes up in a completely different uh, body every day in a certain mile radius and falls in love with a person but realizes every single day it turns into somebody else and there's no way that the love can work out. And it's... It's uh, brilliantly written. I did a terrible job trying to explain no, it. No, I, I think you did. Knowing the book, I think you did a pretty solid job of, of selling it. Also, you say like David Levithan's in the world of John Green. They actually wrote a book together called Will Grayson, Will Grayson. And it's amazing. And it's great. My favorite right, yeah. TV show? Ozark or Mrs. Maisel. Oh, Mrs. Like, Maisel. Yeah, that's good Oof. options. I mean, maybe I'm biased because that's all I've been watching in this course. No, that's, that's, you know. That's... But I, I mean, as a kid, I loved Smallville. That was the only Ooh. thing I watched. Yeah, it's a uh, fun show. I don't know if it holds up though. Should we try it sometime? I'm sure it would. I mean, I I imagine it would. I feel like in that time, as much as a CW show could. I imagine <laughs> in that in that time, people were either watching Smallville, Lost, or House. Like I feel like yeah. you were on one of those trains. Mind you, you might have dabbled with others, but you were either like you were a diehard fan of one of those shows back in like 2007. Those were the good days when you had to wait one entire week for oh. the next episode. You actually digest it better. 
I remember House had the craziest finales. Oh in my God, year. right? Man. They would just go off the air for so long and you're just left alone with your thoughts. And it's great. I love that. Well, I'm almost like mad uh, at, mad or jealous or bitter of Breaking Bad fans because between like Hank on the toilet and the rest <laughs> of the season, we had to wait months. months. And they, I remember that. Or yeah. like when they when you watch Lost and like when she like, you know, hits the rock on the bomb and it, and it suddenly flashes to white and that's the end of the season we had to wait a year to find out what happened dude lost was a whole nother level of frustration right when the island just disappeared when they oh yeah yeah. oh man i was so mad i forgive damon lindelof just because the leftovers and watchmen are so good both on my list i have a very long list so i'm gonna have to check those out I strongly recommend, keep in mind though, that they're both, despite being very different shows, the same flavor, it's the same writer. So it's like Damon Lindelof, he's like one of my favorite TV writers. He's like also low key one of my heroes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he's uh, The Leftovers and he did Lost, but he also did The Leftovers and and Watchmen. Nice man. Uh, Do you have a scar with a story? Many. I was kind of just, I ran around in middle school for no reason. I I was such a weirdo. And I ran throughout the halls to get to the next class for fun. And I remember this one kid tripped me and I fell face first into a fire extinguisher. It it cut my entire eyebrow open. I remember waking up in the vice principal's office and he was asking what happened and I didn't know. And the guy was denying it. It was this whole drama. And I was just like, can we just all go home? Everything's fine. (laughs) But uh, man, that was... That was rough. I'm thankful I don't remember a majority of that experience. Yeah. (laughs) But I I definitely, I got injured a lot. My mom took me to the emergency room way too many times as a kid. (laughs) I I accidentally injured kids a lot. Um, I I have- Oh. I did, like, I, I was, I was that, like, I was also a pretty rambunctious kid, but I also did not have any awareness for, like, anything. I think in my tenure as a child- um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> there was one kid who was, uh, I was playing tag with in a wood chipped area and I didn't want him to tag me. So I sort of pushed him away from me and he fell and got a cut from the wood chips on, on his face. And oh. then also when I was playing, when I was in little league, I didn't realize, uh, that I was too close to the people while practicing my swinging. Oh. Uh, oh. and I, I, I luckily I didn't being a kid, but I definitely grazed a kid uh, who now has a permanent? He's you know in his twenties now and has a permanent scar that uh, with my name on it. One time so. I just I just I just punched someone in the <laughs> nose because they cut me in line at a water fountain at summer camp. Wasn't that the president's oh son? No, that was a different thing. <laughs> I, I, I was so many I was, I was not a violent I was not a violent child. I, I didn't tend to get in fights, but this one time I guess I got road rage. Someone cut me in line at a water fountain and I just clocked him in the nose. I was like <laughs> nine years old. No, it was Watch a really out, guys. uncharacteristic <laughs> Noah experience. But I, I don't cut Noah in line. Don't cut me in. I, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. He's listening I, now, plotting his revenge. Like I don't know what came over <laughs> me. It was something else. Yeah, uh, Nate, if you receive any like wood chips in the mail, you should probably. Yeah. Move. <laughs> you should I, definitely move. You know, you t- talk about like un- like things that keep you up at night, like un ir- like irrational anxieties. I definitely have. Like a like a, I know what you did last summer complex. Like I'm I'm afraid that I did something that I <laughs> that I blocked out or like I did something accidentally or like uh. I like led to a chain of events or whatever and that I have 
like a murderous nemesis. Like I have an arch enemy who wants me dead, which I imagine is a level of narcissism that, that, you know, is worth examining. But like, I, yeah, I definitely, Noah's, <laughs> <laughs> Noah's convinced I'm going to die in a duel and I'm not, I, I'm not disagreeing with him, you know? Oh, that's great. That's really <laughs> healthy. Yeah, you know, completely normal <laughs> thoughts that people have on a normal. Speaking of thoughts that people have at this moment, what are three thoughts you have at this moment? I have to go get my mail and groceries. Uh, from my other place, I I am excited to pick a movie to watch tonight with Marissa, and I'm really excited for Ben to fix the notes for this demo that we're working on, and he's going to send it back soon. Yes. Ding, 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 you got it. Ding, ding, we, ding. We watched Oakja last night, and I recommend it, uh, but only if you have plans of being a vegetarian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm open-minded to it. I She certainly eats... She does not. I'm not. Meat, I'm so not. I've... But as of last night, I am. So. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's also just Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. It's really good. Such a great director. God, he's he is unbelievable. Did he do uh, the one with Chris Evans? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, Snowpiercer is great. Yeah. We watched Snowpiercer right as this was starting, and that was a bad idea. Yeah. Ooh. So it's very. It's, apo- a it's, apo- it's apocalyptic, and it's you know. Now everything's apocalyptic. Now everything's apocalyptic. Uh, what are you most We're proud all going to end up on a train. Yeah. Sorry? Sorry. The question is, what are you most proud of? Being here. Hey. Just in general. Being here today. Yeah. I love that. No, that's, that's, that's very wholesome. And finally, what are you most excited for? I'm excited for a lot of things that I'm not at liberty to say that are coming in the next few weeks. And I'm excited to keep working just as hard when they happen. I believe as an artist, I, there's no time to just sit sit back and let everyone work for you. I, th- I think that when the team grows and amazing things happen, it's it should only give you more incentive to work even harder. So I'm excited to just continue doing what I'm doing. Well, and, and Dylan, not only have you been like an influential part of our life, both personally and in musically, you've, you've also, I think, been a point of, of, of reference for people to be authentic, to be themselves, to trust their sensibility and their artistry, not just for us, but for the community. Uh, you know, like I grew up with Zen. I not like grew up, but I knew him as a kid. And I know you guys are, are friends and stuff. Like I know, I know how you've, you've influenced the people around you as well. So I just, I, I just want to thank you for, for being honest with us, for coming on and, and I am grateful for your your friendship as much as I'm grateful for your music. So thank you, man. It's it's good to see you. Thank you. I hope we can talk like this over coffee in person when it's allowed. So, I, yeah. I would love that. Tell Marissa we say hi and that we're looking forward to meeting her as well when the world whirs back to, to life. But in the meantime, um, we're excited for what you're up to. And call us whenever, man. We'll brave this out together. Thank you so much, Nate. Noah, you guys are amazing. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Cause I'm just falling in love with myself tonight. I'm not scared of being alone with my hell of a mind. Now I'm not trying to be rude. I love everything about you, but I'm just falling in love with myself. We would like to thank Alan C. for supporting Talking Lion on Patreon and Isotope.